Welcome to Season of the Bitch, the leftist podcast that knows queer safe spaces are sacred. Today we have Adelaide, Zoe, and Ozzy. And today we are talking about a very special queer and trans safe space, the Lavender Room. You may have heard of it before because I talk about it all the fucking time. Um, (laughs) We have a very special guest with us today, my dear friend, comrade, and the lead (laughs) organizer for the Lavender Room, Jer. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here with us. Yeah, of course. For everyone who's listening's awareness, Jer uses she and they pronouns. Um, And before we get into the lav room itself, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Um, Like a little bit of your background, and then we definitely always ask our guests to tell us their sun, moon, and rising. (laughs) Okay. Word. Um. So I'm pulling up my co-star, and I know co-star bad, but this is a thing I don't mem- have memorized, but my partner does. Like she knows of my whole chart. Of course she does. Right. She knows my <laughs> whole. She knows my whole chart, and I don't even know what my rising is until I look it up. So I'm a Libra Sun, Gemini Moon, um, Scorpio Rising. <gasps> which I, yeah, that's. I'm a Scorpio that. Rising too. I think I knew that. Yeah. Like, okay, you've honestly been reminding me of a friend I have this full time, and she's also <laughs> a Libra, so I get it now. Incredible. That makes sense. I get that a lot too. <laughs> a lot of people have friends that look or act just like me, which I'm always like, I don't know if that's a good thing, but congratulations. Um, <laughs> you're you're my friend that acts like you. Hell yeah, dude. Um, word. <laughs> what was the other part of that question? It was Who are you? Who am I? Okay, so I'm JRC. I am a person who does things. If you asked me that question like two years ago, I would have said that I am a theater director and theater artist, which is like definitely not how I identify myself now because I right. don't do those things anymore. Right. Because like the whole theatrical, professional theatrical world is like one of the most toxic environments I've ever been in. Absolutely. And I, I need not to, I will walk back that back slightly. I'll say many of the spaces I have been in because if I'm not careful, I will get blacklisted forever, which definitely means that it's not toxic at all. Um, <laughs> but so i like i graduated with a degree in acting with a focus in directing and technical production a few years ago i did my senior year of college through the pandemic i literally like did zoom class of acting school where i like had to hold this very laptop sideways and do mime class on zoom um that's powerful (laughs) it was awful all of my roommates like had to like do tap class on zoom like they like had to buy a piece of plywood and then tap in front of the camera and the teacher would be like no that's wrong um so i came out of yeah no the dude theater school pandemic time was like so dark like so dark zoom theater i could write a full novel or like a, a a documentary essay about the entire lost genre of zoom theater um (laughs) i've directed almost the entire shakespeare canon over zoom oh my god um yeah no it's kind of one of the worst things about me but yeah so i have a a background in that world but throughout um my whole life i've been really deeply into music culture and scene culture but like specifically punk culture um i grew up in rural maine um and a lot of my friends were a lot older than me and were like really involved in the punk scene there i went to my first house show when i was 13 and i never looked back but maybe i should have no um (laughs) there was just like i grew up in in that environment and there was a lot of things that i saw and participated in being like a literal child that i wish Mm, i didn't see right 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 no i get that i i saw someone shoot up heroin for the first time when i was 14 and like that just kind of changes you you know no it really does Um, yeah and so but like at the same time there was stuff about that culture and those people that i loved deeply and it like really set me on a path of really appreciating all kinds of art because music is one of the most varies like very uh mediums i think for artistic expression and so i always kind of like had music and music journalism in the forefront of like i was doing theater in college but i was really like i, w- I was writing a lot of music reviews for a lot of different platforms 
and really involved in like I had a music business minor um, throughout college and like I was I ran the college radio station and stuff. And so I was really trying to be involved in that and thinking about the ways that you can be involved in 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 the music scene and in in general without like having to be a direct musician because I always thought I was bad at that, which it's come back around now. But yeah, I am a person who does the art. I write a lot of poetry. Right now, I moved to Buffalo last summer. Um, yeah, after like the darkest time of my entire life when I was like living in Astoria, Queens. I like moved to Astoria and I was like, I got dumped over FaceTime by my longest relationship of like two and a half years. And then I uh, was like, why am I in Astoria? And also I think I'm a woman. Um, Classic. And, like, yeah, and just like, went through that whole experience of being like, why did I move to New York city? Cause I was like doing it because like, I thought that like, that's what you do to prove to everyone that you're successful at being an artist, um, which is like what you do to prove to everyone that you're successful at being a Nepo baby, at least to a certain extent. Um, and I figured that out through that process or growing <laughs> up there. And then, you know, like my roommates here, not being able to afford to live in the place where you lived your entire life because of gentrification and then leaving forever. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, Spent that year kind of figuring that out was like, oh, I'm trans through consuming various uh, varieties of transsexual media. Including, including. Including gender reveal. Yes. uh, Very large fan. Very grateful. Very, very important part of my life and my transition. I listen every week. um, Big, big fan. But yeah. um, So that like time really shifted about what I wanted to do. And I was like, I'm going to move to Buffalo and become an English teacher, I guess. So... I went to college for like the second time, kind of the third time. And then I was doing this band with my friends. And then I was like, what if we got drunk for my birthday and threw a show in our house? And then we did. And it was really cool. And everyone was like, it's cool that you're trans and nice and also are punk. And I was like, that's cool. I think that it's cool that you think that's cool. And now it's kind of in, absorbed my entire life force. Um, but Very I've true. Always, yeah. I've always wanted to be – I. Really, the goal is I wanted to teach high school theater. And now I don't know what the goal is, but I've always wanted to find... The goal is evolving constantly. Right. But that's life, right? Like, exactly. That's being a person. Exactly. Is like... sure. I feel like there's some overlap there, too, in like creating spaces for performances to happen. Like That's still kind of what yeah. you're doing in a way. Um, yeah. No, but I appreciate that. Yeah. I think we, we wanted to ask more specifically, just like tell us what the laughter room <laughs> is. Like, sure. How how has this evolved from that first show? Slay. To what yeah, it is I, now? I appreciate that. I am a tangents person, so sorry if I like no go sorry. off into another world. Yeah, thank you. Throughout, like literally, Jer has a no like, sorry pin. So I I do, and yet I do not follow it. Um, <laughs> thank you for that, Ozzy. I guess I guess like really okay. So it started with Dayfest '98 because I was born in 1998. Not to date myself, and we were like, we'll just throw a show with some homies, and it like. No, no band on the bill was from Buffalo, really. It was the first time that our new band played here. Nobody knew us, and yet people came and had a great time and felt safe. I was wasted. Our set sounded like shit, um, but I had a great time. I thought it was fucking awesome. And I was just kind of like, well, what if we did this all the time? But I'm also a person who is really bad at saying no and is also really not great at like knowing when to stop. So, which is like, I know mo- a lot of queer people who are like that. Um And so I was just like, oh, we can just turn my house into a place for every single queer person who likes art in Buffalo to go every time they feel sad. Um, And that's kind of what we're doing (laughs) a little bit. Literally, Um, though. And then we got to February and a good friend of mine, uh, Sage Askenderton on Instagram for all of your poetry needs, um, kind of was like, hey, like I DJ. I have some friends that want to DJ with me. Um, and it's also like one of my friends in the barista literary underground of Buffalo, which is like a very powerful community. Um, and they, she was kind of just like, one of my friends is having a birthday. She wants to do it around Valentine's day. Her name is Michaela. Can we call it my country Valentine and do it in your basement? Cause you still have the sound equipment and the stage up from four months ago. Cause you never took it down. Cause you're very lazy. And I was like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, let's do it. I was like on the plane back from LA and we were like figuring out what day it was going to be on still. And then we did it and it was like a smash success. It went really well. 
we made a lot of money for the artists. I learned a lot about it, doing events and safety stuff. But safety was always the number one concern of mine, like the whole time. And we just did a rave in my basement for like, you know, a bunch of bisexuals and lesbians and non-binary folks. But then a lot of people showed up who I had never met before. And like, we met a lot of people. There was one part point where there was a couple that was here and then they left and I was like, oh, bummer, they left early. And then they came back and like, one of them was in a full fursuit because they felt that safe and like was like they scoped out the vibe and they were like everyone here would be cool if i did that and they did and it was That's like so the, beautiful right and it was like the non-binary color scheme of the like the wolf and i was like fuck yeah one of the things like because you were talking about safety and i think also what you were describing in your childhood of of being in that scene one of the things that i really love about the lavender room is that you can smoke weed. You can smoke weed in the basement. It's not a problem. Like we we did a 420 show. We'll probably talk about it. But every other volunteer is very made very aware of like if you see anything else happening, like that's a no-no. And that's also made really clear like to everyone at the show. Like there's alcohol, there's weed, but that's like where it stays. And yeah. um, people are trained with Narcan and stuff like that. And I think it's like – very rare to see a DIY space taking such an intentional stance on that type of thing. I appreciate you saying that. Yeah. Hell yeah. That, that's like a really big part of, so I guess part of why I bring up like theater school is that I directed a lot of my own productions because I never had any kind of support from the faculty. I went to a private college and what I learned over time is that it's really a political hierarchy and it's really whoever they think is going to make them look good after they graduate and it really doesn't matter about your education. Um, but I was there and I was going to make the most of it and I liked all my friends. So I just started directing my own plays without asking permission and something we did right away is create what I found was a problem in the department in general is that there was a whole lot expected of the students. This is what you can and can't do. You can't be in any other shows. You can't like what you can and can't do is very restrictive. And you're like in this phase in your life when you're trying to find out who you are and also who you are as an artist. And you're in a program that's supposedly supposed to foster that. And it's trying to do the opposite because um, it's trying to teach you how to be a product and not a person. And that's not something that I vibe with at all. It's very counterintuitive to my personal politics, but also my beliefs about the world. And so I would um, make this thing that I would basically call a consent agreement. Um, but basically just saying like, this is what the expectation is of the, P of the team who is going to put on this production. And this is the expectation of the performers. And here is what everyone's job is listed out. And this is how we will work through issues and everyone signs it and basically has an opportunity to also discuss like, I want this to be different. I think that maybe we could word this differently. And we, there's a form of a document that's created by me, but then we all have a conversation about how we want this whole production to look like, because it's our thing. It's a collaboration we're doing together. So how are we going to create um, a space that feels safe and conducive for creating work that feels like what we want to do together and setting that intention? So when we started doing this space regularly, we did that one show and then we were like, oh, we're going to do this regularly after February. Um, we made this consent agreement that every artist gets that basically says, and volunteers also get, that basically says, I'm not going to be a fucking asshole. The lavender room isn't going to be a fucking asshole. These are all of the ways in which we're not going to be fucking assholes. And if one of us does, then we reserve the right to terminate the collaboration at any point if we have to. It's never gotten to that. It's usually just, hey, this is what we need to do for safety. But like Adelaide was saying, like when we, we do a lot of work of volunteer teams, I try to take this DIY aspect and apply it to organizing. Because I think that especially a lot of the folks that come here, they're college students. They're younger. A lot of them didn't have, like, I have my background in organizing because I was in Rochester, New York during 2020. There was a lot of... Black Lives Matter stuff happening there. And in general, just a lot of grassroots organizing happening um, surrounding um, the murder of Daniel Prude. And also just like a lot of other things that were happening at that time. But a lot of folks who are coming up now, just a few years after that, have not had those experiences of activism, of organization. And so we're trying to kind of take, well, let's make your Friday night where you're gonna get drunk anyway, and you're gonna go have fun anyway into something that might teach you a little bit about political action and community action and also 
the ways that you can invest in community in a post-COVID world, post-COVID, I say, like, it didn't really ever end, but, um, and also, like, how you can create spaces for safety where you know your neighbors, they know you, and you are working to do cool stuff together in an environment that is based on consent and is based on creativity and collaboration rather than competition and like and and very being very intentional that we're going to do this thing together and we're going to be here together but we're going to do it in a way where everyone is taken care of um and that's just like when you come to volunteer the first thing every volunteer does is you're a floater all you do is just make sure that you get to see the show for free you eat for free and you hang out and you also just make sure that nothing bad happens and if you see something that feels weird you come and tell me about it and people right off when we started doing that were great i could check in with any people like i would meet they come to my house walk into my house, be like, hi, I'm whoever. I'd be like, hi, I'm Jer. We would have like a team meeting where I just say where the Narcan is, where the fire extinguishers are. Welcome to my basement. It's a basement. Like, it's not like a cool <laughs> space. It's a freaking basement. Like in an old- It's so cool. Slap- I have a slumlord. They don't even know we do this. Like, they don't care. They- I've never met either of them. Like, I don't. And we just do it, you know? And people are really, really about making sure that their community is taken care of. And- want to be a part of building something and it's been really encouraging to see that because i for a while was thinking especially just like with like younger folks at concerts talking over stuff only listening to the, th- the five seconds they know from TikTok, and then leaving the show or talking over the artist or harassing the artist because a lot of folks just didn't have the a lot of the real life experiences um like er, people i'm talking about like people in their like 18 to 20 21 range having those experiences of being in the world and learning things through lived experience. And they're getting to do that here with people who are very intentional about like life is making mistakes and fucking up as long as you're not hurting anyone do that. And we have had, I think it's about by my mark about almost 30 shows now since February. And we haven't had a single one where there's been a major incident and we haven't had a single one where I've felt like we had any, anyone be directly disrespectful to anyone. And it's been really encouraging because you don't see that at other venues. You really don't. Um, Well, speaking of the shows at Lavender Room, um, I wanted to ask Adelaide a question. I know they're going to be like (laughs) sharing more about their experience as we go. But what is it like as a musician who plays in the space a lot? And I know you like volunteer at shows as well. Like, how is it on your end? It's funny because most of the times I volunteer are like, I show up and I'm just like, cool. Tag me in, bestie. <laughs> and you still pay. Adelaide pays their door cover every time. Like the whole point of when you volunteer is you don't pay to come in and I make you dinner. Like I, we do food that we sell, but we also like all of the volunteers and all the musicians get to eat for free because if you're going to work at dinner time, this is the thing for me from growing up in church. If you're going to work at dinner time, you better be fucking paid or in, at least in food, be fed. Yeah, Adelaide pays for everything every goddamn time, and it pisses me off. Well, listen, using, it's because call is a place to vent my frustration. I love supporting y'all. Sorry about it. <laughs> Not sorry, bitch. Um, yeah. <laughs> so playing as a musician, it's it is truly next level. I feel like the first show I played there was either at the end of February or early March. I had been to one other event at the Lav Room. It was April first. Oh, it was April 1st. Thank you. I'm like, I I have no memory of honestly most things uh, in terms of timelines because I played a lot of shows at the beginning of this year. Um, The thing is, the space is so, so special. There's really like, I don't know. I feel like the first time I played, I, I felt like I could just talk about what my gender of the day is and like just be like a fucking weirdo in like, I mean, I'm always a weirdo on stage, but like, I feel like I was able to be like more trans and more queer about it, which like, as we've discussed on the podcast, I did try to do at Amy's place, a different venue one time. And it was like met with weird ass silence. Um, And so at the lab room, it's just very much like exactly like Jer was describing. Not only is it very respectful in the crowd, but like people have said the most encouraging things to me after my lab room sets. Like someone was inspired to make a poem off of a combination of like seven of my songs 
other people were like when I've played shows there and there's other bands playing, they'll be like, it was literally an honor to share this stage with you. Like Mm -hmm. the vibes are that energy and it's so sweet and it's so special. I have tried really intentionally to set the tone. I think that that's something that's really important. And I think it's like, I'm very big on like that shit doesn't fly here. Mm -hmm. When some like, Every time, I think part of the reason why we haven't had it is I'm I'm trained as a lifeguard, and the number one thing is prevention. So I think a big part of <laughs> I think of, and like for me, all of of this shit is just vibe prevention, where it's like don't let the vibes be fucking rancid. So by saying like really taking it into like an organizer organizer space and saying like you know uh, who keeps us safe, we keep us safe. Mm-hmm. We share the responsibility in making sure that this is a good place to be. If you see and anyone being if, a weirdo like right and like and like say something or like you know we all like kind of nod in solidarity that like we're not gonna allow that to happen right every show i steal this whole thing from jeff rosenstock from his live album where he's like but i basically do this whole spiel where i'm like sometimes the thing that happens when you have a lot of people in the room at night and they're drunk or whatever is that people think that it's cool to just touch other people without their consent and that's not fucking cool here and you will be asked to leave and you will not fucking come back but moreover, if um, you're someone who sees that, can you tell me and help me get that piece of shit out of here? And if you'll do that, everybody that will do that, scream really loud right now, scream. And then everyone screams. And then if there is a piece of shit out there, they have just heard the entire room roar about how much they're looking forward to getting them the fuck out of their community space. Yeah. And so it does a thing twofold. One, it says, I'm not going to do that. That's bad. But two, it's like it, it also – makes it feel like it's a group activity it makes everyone it's not just like i'm going out to a bar and i'm getting drunk but it's the place that i'm in i have now i am now participating in it with intention i am i am a member of an intentional community of people who even if we don't know each other have similar values of i'm not going to be a piece of shit because everyone here wants to have a good time and i think that just that very like baseline is so important because that's not how society is built right now um and it's our fucking dusty ass goddamn basement that floods when it rains two inches. That's one but, of my favorite experiences right. is literally the first time I played there. <laughs> the shop vacuum. Literally in between sets, Jer had to shop vac the floor, the water that was leaking into the basement off the floor. And we were, were like, this is performance art. <laughs> you do what you have to do. Speaking of that. What have some of the challenges been of of organizing like such an intentional space? Something that happens sometimes is when there's people who are not necessarily of the, let's say, activist persuasion slash queer slash artists and are more just like some dudes who know guitar and work at Guitar Center. Yes. They walk into the space and they're like, oh, what's happening? And they don't really like Because usually they dominate music spaces right Right. and this is a space that's not like we just did a show on friday where the only band that didn't have a trans person in it was my four best friends from college um (laughs) who are in a fantastic band called free casino out of brooklyn they're about to blow up i'm telling you they just dropped their new record on sad cactus records on april uh april 4th you should check it out it's on spotify and everywhere else right now um but (laughs) um (laughs) like and that's not most places that's not how it works but especially in buffalo like the music scene here has mostly been dominated by bar bands Mm -hmm. and the diy scene has been almost specifically restricted for hardcore which is great i love hardcore i grew up in that but like there's a lot that's not a space that's also always accessible right there are a lot of queer folks in it but it's not necessarily accessible to folks who that's not their musical persuasion and they don't get the DIY ethos as part of it. They're never exposed to zine culture. They're not exposed to a lot of organizing culture that is just part of punk music. Also, like that can feel kind of hostile and scary when it's not what you're used to. I think what really answers kind of to your point or your question, Zoe, the first thing I thought is when everything is volunteer run, I am always here. I'm trying to be here less because I have a life and my life has been put on hold. And my partner, Victoria, God bless her. Thank God. I love her so much. She's been really cool about being very active and helping with this. Um, Cause when she met and I met this hadn't happened yet. And now she lives here and she's a part of it all the time, but it's a lot of work. And I am the only person who gets to say, I don't have, who doesn't get to say, I don't have the space for this this week. Um, and that can be really hard sometimes. Yeah. And when I book a show four months out, I'm not going to just because I don't feel like it on 
on Thursday, going to text a band who's coming here from Texas and say, I'm sorry, you can't play at my house this week. But if they can't make it, they can bail. But I can't do that because I have made that commitment and I'm going to stand by it, especially when it's like we're all about platforming as many people as possible and creating a space that is for is for everyone who's not a straight white guy first and then welcome them into it. Because I think that it's important that we open doors for everybody so we can have new exchange of ideas and create communities across, you know, um, identities. But it's hard when I can't say no. Mm-hmm. I w- wanted to say this at the beginning of the interview. I didn't get there. Is that it is not just me by any means. There are people who saved my life um, my and people who I've become best friends with through this project. Like my friend Aiden, who I met at a show at Amy's place you mentioned earlier, like a couple weeks ago, who came here the first time and said it's crazy that y'all don't have security and they do security at a bar in town and they're like i'm your security person now and they're here almost every week and they make sure that we're in a good shape in that way you know my friend mossy who i had one fucking gender studies or queer theory course with never talked to once but took queer theory with them at the beginning of my first semester here in buffalo and now they're here almost every week but she's great about looking and seeing Jerry, you haven't eaten today. Go eat and take a shower. I'm going to wipe down all the tables because you haven't gotten to do that yet and you haven't taken a break all day long. Because mm-hmm. Jerry's mom, but but Mossy is also mom. so Is also mom. <laughs> she'll be um, like, Jerry, you need to go take care of yourself. And and Lena is dad. They literally yeah. like also like just have come. They're, they almost always run door. They don't even need to be asked. They just go there because they know that it's a, a hard job to do if I don't know you. And because you're like responsible for ta- all of our money, we take a 15% cut off the top. We reserve the right to take a 15% cut off of door because we don't make any money for sure otherwise. And we have to be able to cover costs and expenses. And we really don't anyway. Um, but Which is why like, I fucking pay every time, bitch. That's also fair. But like that money goes to bands because we're trying to platform artists. And running a venue is really fucking hard. And people don't know that. Yeah. And so those people have become and then my roommates who one let me do this one if they're not actively involved but usually are my my uh roommate paul does sound on almost every show he works as a sound engineer professionally he does not get paid for the work he does here we have the best sounding space in this fucking city i mm-hmm. swear to god mm-hmm. and it's because of him and i will stand by that i'm getting emotional about it because of how proud i am of him for that like our basement sounds better than most of the fucking bars and even some of like the actual venues. In literally Buffalo though, literally. because of that guy, my, my roommates, Andrew and Darren, who are always constantly, consistently checking in, making sure things are good. And Darren, who takes point on a lot of shows when I need a break. Um, my roommates, soap and Hannah, who like the first gig were the only other people running the show with me. And we were like selling soda out of a cooler under a table. Um, and like doing that right there, you know, and that has really been instrumental. Those people are instrumental. But if they don't, if they have a different plan for their weekend because they want to go do another event somewhere else, like go have fun <laughs> and, you know, not be the person running the getting drunk, but or running the art or whatever, but just be at it, they go do that. Good. I want them to. I don't get to do that. Um, I have to plan my fun days in advance by five months. And when I started doing this in February, I didn't know that. And like, it's been a learning experience in that way. But that's one of the big things is the time management of it. And I hate saying no, especially when there's like bands who are like, we are three trans people from Alabama. We cannot play shows in our own state. Can we play on this day that you also already have four bands playing? And I don't want to say no, (laughs) because like, this is the only space they've ever found that's DIY and made for them. So I don't sleep for two other hours that night because I want something special to happen to someone who needs it. But it's really fucking hard. It's also hard (laughs) when it's like I have to do Instagram posts on Instagram posts. I need to check in with people. One of my best friends who is a guitarist and a guitar teacher in uh, NYU um, has a saying that I love, which is, musicians don't know how to tie their own shoes and they really fucking don't god love them they're my favorite kind of people but you know i have had to tell people who i consider to be very close friends you have a show on friday and then being like oh i book i'm working a double and i'm like well i booked you five months ago um so what are we going to do to figure this out and then they were supposed to be the draw band and they were going to play on the end well now they need to play at the beginning because the drummer has to go to work and it's just that constantly all of the time 
And if there is five shows in July and it's June 20th, I am still trying to worry about the two shows I have at the end of this month. And people are talking to me about the show they have in a month, like it's happening tomorrow because it's the only important thing for them right now, as if I don't have all this other stuff to do. And that's like, you know, being an organizer, mutual aid by Dean Spade has been incredibly, incredibly instrumental in how I frame what we do and how I try to keep myself from burnout. But with no monetary incentive inside of a capitalist system, and be able to maintain that long term. It's really fucking hard. And that's why a lot of DIY spaces burn out is because they're not even trying to do anything other than having some punk bands play. Yeah, I guess I'm curious because I noticed on uh, y'all's Instagram page, it says um, art is mutual aid. And I just wanted to ask if you could talk more about like what that means to you. What is the relation between <laughs> art and mutual aid and specifically at the Lavender Room? Totally. I appreciate that question. I've always thought the only way that I could ever make a difference in the world is if I did art that did something for people. And I thought that I had no worth or no value if I didn't do that. And so I put every my whole jerusy into being enough for everyone all of the time, regardless of what that meant for me. I've gone through a lot of growth in that part of my thinking, and that's not where I'm at right now. Having space, like space is a commodity in the world that we live in, especially in America. And so space that is i don't call the lavender room a safe space anymore i call it a safer space mm. and what i say a lot of the time is like i'm never going this is a space for everyone the only thing that ever bars anyone from be engaging in community space is actions not identity there are some spaces in buffalo that are like we don't let straight men here i'm never gonna do that no it's ba- because also at one point in time i was a straight man like you know right. i identified that way and if i was not able to exist in places because people decided I was dangerous just based on my identity, I would not be able to be the person I am now, right? Well, let's shift gears a little into um, curious what some of your favorite moments or most fulfilling moments have been with the Lavender Room. And I guess this is kind of for both Jira and Adelaide, really. Adelaide, (laughs) I would love if you went first on this, if that's okay. It would be nice to hear. And also, I have talked a lot and I want to break. (laughs) Oh, my God. Well, there's like a few that are coming to mind. But my first time in the Lavender Room was for a screening of Paris is Burning. And it was amazing. <laughs> it was so fun. I brought a massive camp chair into the basement. I was the only person who brought my own chair, even though the thing said bring your own chair. It was a free <laughs> event, so it was technically not Beautiful. illegal. It was a private event in my private residence. Exactly. Um, so I did not legally need to have a screener version or pay for a license of the movie. I'm just saying that so when the Criterion channel listens to this podcast, <laughs> as they inevitably will, Which, and yeah, when we do Rocky, are. when we do Rocky Horror. I promise you we are paying for that license. Yes. I had to I already confirmed that with the troop. Anyway, continue on. Yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> if any cops are listening. <laughs> no, Jer, for your reference, we always say, and for legal reasons, that was a joke. Oh um, no, D- Darren, my best friend Darren says that like in the kitchen like in case the nsa is listening it's been a running thing with us for years well because they probably are literally no literally (laughs) for for real dog for fucking real dog like oh my god yeah so don't let any pigeons near the lavender room i just Mm. feel like you know the bird thing we have a lot of we have birds aren't real but bunnies are we have a lot of bunnies in our yard anyway adelaide Birds and bunnies are rising up, oh, um, but not in the way that the orcas are. Oh, <laughs> our same brain. Okay. Um. So, wow, it's really hard, and I'm gonna be emotional. My turn. It's funny because we joke that Jer is like kind of. And this is ridiculous because Jarrah's 25, but is an elder. I'm not 25. I'm 24. Oh, Jesus I turn, Christ. I turned 25 in October. Okay. Well, <laughs> so I'm 33. I'm a- like absolutely on the older end of like people in, especially involved, I would say, with the Lavender Room. Um, but also- Who Je- is not like a dude named Joe who's like, yo, this is really cool. <laughs> Uh, if you, it, would you guys like to have my prog metal band play sometime? Exactly. That's an important distinction. Yeah. yeah. That's Adelaide's alter ego. Joe. <laughs> yeah, for real. For real. I'm also friends with most of the people in the house at this point. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's really special. But 
I think part of that, anyway, I'm getting out of order. So anyway, all that to say, I've been back in Buffalo for eight years now. I have been like desperate for a space like this, I would say. Like I've been to a lot of DIY spaces. I am also someone who is whatever the fuck not visibly disabled means. Um, but part of that is like, I can't be hit. I can't be near a pit. I can't um, be in that type of space. And the lav room is one of the only spaces that I felt okay when that sort of thing starts happening. Because A, I know everyone's going to be respectful. I'll be able to move out of the way in the timing that I need to. Like people are paying attention to each other. But B, there's a different energy that is just inherent in everything that the lavender room does. There's so much intentionality in between sets. Jer's not only talking about people not harassing each other, but Jer's reminding people that Dairy Queen is still open, and <laughs> that like if and you- that there's free water and earplugs in the back. Please take care of your body, you silly, silly creatures. Literally, there's free <laughs> water and earplugs at every show. Um, there's so much respect, like. Also, there are so many more, I want to, like, I hate to even say this because it's whatever, but it's the easiest way to say this. But I think our, like, newer to their trans identity um, being in that space and you just see on their face, like, you just see the, the incredible validation that comes from being in a space like that. If you look at the Lavender Room story Uh, the morning after any show, you'll see like five trans people just being like, I'm so happy to be here. Like a a selfie in a mirror. Like I introduced myself to three other trans women today and like, I'm so fucking pumped about it. But also just being able to connect to Jer and all of Jer's friends as well, because they're very, very special. And it's it's really been a game changer for feeling community in this city because it's, as our listeners know and my co-hosts know from me talking about it, Buffalo is not always it, right? <laughs> it's not always I, it. Dog, I love it here. I mean, I, I also love Buffalo, lo- which they right. know. <laughs> I have lived a lot of places in my life. Um, I like this more than anywhere else. And I think I might stay here. Like I, it's kind of crazy. Cause when I moved here, I was like, well, this is going to suck, but I'll get through it and I'll have a degree and it will be kind of cheap and I'll eat a lot of cauliflower wings and it'll be cool. Um, but wow. Yeah. I, that's so sweet. I appreciate that a lot. No, I do love yeah, Buffalo obviously, me. but like, yeah, it's tough, yeah. but the Lavrum no, has it. made it no, definitely, a, like definitely. A, a more special place for me for sure. That makes me so happy. I appreciate that a lot. I hear that from a lot. Like my best friends played Buffalo for the first time six years ago, had a terrible experience. We're never going to come back. And now it's their favorite place to play. And I have a lot of people who were like, I'm never going to play in Buffalo again, who only will play here or at a show I book some place outs. And that means a lot to me because I think that it's all just about intention. And also even just from a logistical standpoint, like in my music booker i hate that term promoter i don't use it mode it's just like buffalo is a hard place to get people to come to Mm -hmm. anyway but there's a lot of people here who are dying to hear their favorite bands and like such a vibrant artistic community the thing i love about buffalo and why i mean to answer your question like when i moved here in august i had no friends here other than the people i lived with and i love them dearly but that can be hard sometimes when it's like i only hang out with my roommates i don't hang out with anyone else um and like everyone almost everyone that i hang out with on a regular basis is people i've met through this project um there are people who are like in very beautiful romantic relationships or are best friends or whatever through this project that makes me so happy people i would never have met otherwise through it and the scene the music scene in buffalo now versus what it was like a year ago is so like crazy different but also all the artistic scenes are and the thing i love about buffalo in a way that I didn't feel the same way about when I lived in Portland or when I, Portland, Maine, or when I lived in New York City or when I lived in Rochester, New York, was that in in different degrees, whether big or small, but here, like, it's the second biggest city in New York, but it is a small town in a lot of ways. And there are pockets of every kind of person in every kind of community, but there's, and there's so much happening all the time, but it's not so big that you can't keep track of it. And the people who are really good cling to each other and that is something i haven't felt a lot of places in my life um and so 
to answer the initial question, like that has just been, this has been such a blessing in that way. Um, I don't know how long we'll do Lavender Room specifically for, but I know that the energy that this has created and the momentum of it is going into other projects, both that I do and that anyone who's involved in with this will do, I'm sure. And that's what's special to me. Um, Cause that energy is like, there were other house venues in Buffalo where safety was not the primary concern. A few of them, not to be like, we've put people under, that's not what I mean, but like a few of them don't exist since February now because one artists were not getting paid fairly and they could tell their friends to come see them play. And then their friends might not be safe. And if they do it here, they know that's not the case. Right. Um, and so that's been something that's been really beautiful to me. And I'm very, very grateful for because the response has been insane and the way that people have responded to it and have been so kind and generous. I mean, we don't make any money. It's really hard. A lot of the time, like we lose money. I'm broke as shit right now because of this. Um, to a degree that's like, I need to fix it, (laughs) but it will be okay. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, uh, people donate money to us all the time, especially straight people will like show up and it's definitely like a little bit of a, like a, it's a pride month. Right. But like, they'll be like, everyone's nice to each other. I'm giving you 20 bucks. That's crazy. No, when um, my farm a, coworkers came, they were like blown away. Yeah, right? They were like, was, "What?" <laughs> we had a we we do college nights semi regularly now during the school year because one, they do their best turnouts, and like those are the people that we're here for primarily. Because I was a I w- was a, a college kid once with all femme friends, and they need better places to spend their their time. Um, but you know. Um, like people were like, I cannot believe the vibes here are so great, but also everyone's cool and nice. There was this one dude who was friends with the band who was like, you almost make a killing off of this. And I was like, I will make no money at the end of tonight. And he was like, what the fuck? And he handed me a hundred dollars and I texted him the next day. Cause I tried to get back to my text and the next message him on Instagram the next day. I was like, you were drunk when you did this. I'll give this back to you. He's like, no, no, keep that because that's the only way that we survive right now is directly just people giving us money that we then put right back into the venue. We don't make any money off of it. Um, and if that- a guy gives you a hundred dollars, I don't care his state of mind. That's fine now. <laughs> exactly. But my point in bringing that up is that like, I know that we exist in a capitalist system and it's killing us slowly and I hate it. I hate how much of a, how much money is like at the end of everything we do right now in Lav Room and in general. The fact that people have to show their appreciation monetarily sucks, but they do it a lot and it makes me feel very good. Um, and I appreciate it a lot when it happens um, because I want us to get to a place where that's not how we have to operate. Um, but at the end of the day, it's me doing a lot of work with my best friends in my house so that people can be safe and have fun on a Friday or Saturday night. And so right now trying to keep it the quality high, but the aims and expenses small is really what we're trying to do. And having people respond to it positively has been what has been so, so joyous about it to me. And also just the queer joy of it and the queer rage and like, like the, just how intrinsically queer it is while still being open to anyone who, who isn't, you know, who it doesn't share that identity in some way has been really, really beautiful. And I'm very grateful for it all the time. My favorite thing that anyone has ever said to me is there is a photo of me standing behind the set of Local Legends Torture Agenda, who is a two of the three members of this hardcore band are identify as queer or trans. And I'm very, you, you can see in my face, I'm very concerned because they have crazy pits. My dryer has been like almost tipped over three times at this point. And I'm standing in the back behind the guitar player like, and that my, one of my best friends commented under that picture, um, not Jer serving maternal cunt during the torture <laughs> agenda set. And we're getting that a version of that put on t-shirts because it's like the funniest fucking it's thing It's the ever. best. That's so real. Um, but that kind of camaraderie and creating this community of people who never have met each other in any other way, who are like part of different subcultures and everything, you know, um, seeing them connect with each other, different ages, different backgrounds from different cities, people who are not from Buffalo who come here to play or I, I know quite a few people who are like, I just came from Toronto to check this out because my friends were talking about it. Um, I still visit New York city for somewhat regularly. And when I go to shows, I have ha- heard bands talking about how they're trying to book my basement in front of me, not knowing that I'm the person that runs that basement. And it's, you know, it, fucking eight hours away. 
Um, and that's been cool because it means that we're doing something right. And I love artists and I love queer folks. And I think that we all deserve a hell of a lot better than the world that we live in gives us. And I think that if at least for a little bit of time, we can do something to make it a little bit better for some people who need it, then we're doing something right. And so that's really what we're, we're there for at the end of the day. I hope that answers your question. It felt like a bit of a ramble, but. No, it did. It's perfect. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, you've, you've been talking a little bit about like the financial challenges of running this space, but I guess I also wanted to make space for you to talk a little bit about like the emotional challenges of it. Um, because I'm just thinking about like, for me, like after the Club Q shooting, like, going to queer events and queer spaces felt a lot scarier and also like we are in this moment of increasing transphobia around the country you mentioned like you're kind of public about being a trans person at that address um i don't know all of that just seems like it could be scary at times and i'm curious like how you kind of deal with those feelings like how do you stay sure. motivated to keep doing this work um and mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe if there are like ways that you're kind of trying to help support other people as well. Because um, I know you mentioned you have bans from like other places with worse laws right now um, yeah. that come to play with y'all. Yeah. So the first part of it is to say, like, one, I've never felt unsafe in a moment. Actually, that's not true. There was one moment where there was an incident like down the street where there was a shooting mm. down the street from my house oh my God. and that was the night that adelaide was talking about where like i had no team and like my roommates were all on vacation and like it was it was also like one of the college bands that i'm good friends with was here so we were like at capacity it's me and three people so technically i'm within my ratio that i've set but and I know it's not about us, but I know that there's an active shooting down the street. I'm worried about crowd control because our basement is like not ADA accessible, unfortunately, because it's an old basement. It's not, I don't own the space. Um, right. I'm in the moment, I'm in summer camp mode where I'm like, how do we make this into the best situation it can possibly be? So it had nothing to do with us. We were good, but it was the first moment where I was like, there is a legitimate safety concern in what we do. And I need to take it seriously. I have always felt a big responsibility. And if I am going to tell people that they are safe here and use that language, I need to be able to back it up. So a lot of it is interpersonal accountability. Like we've talked about, about just like, I don't want to say run of the mill, but like making sure that no one is harassing anyone. Um, everywhere in my house is super clear about where you can and can't not be. There is signage everywhere. Um, there is an upstairs apartment that bands get to hang out in if they need to be out of the space where everyone else is and have another bathroom. There's usually a cat up, out, up here, which is an emotional support in that moment, I think. But also just making it really clear where you can and can't go. There are no beds anywhere intentionally. All doors that have beds in them are closed. The cots that we use for bands to sleep on, it wasn't like this before, but I was very strong about it. We made it happen where they are all put away and folded up. So you would have to intend, like we are really careful about making sure that the space is super intentional. I don't let anyone like friends, anyone hang out in the living room after doors open because I want it to be very intentional to people that you do not go inside of the living space. Um, and so we, we do all of that with intentionality as far as the question about safety from like outside people with like you know some of the shootings and stuff my address is not public in the address to the space is not public in that in all of the material that we give to bands it's very clear that you are not to post this address publicly everything is dm my instagram account for the address you can give it to your friend but if you do not know someone very well ask them to dm me um if you have a weird vibe ask them to dm me and i decide i do all of the booking for the space i don't really like to have bands i like you need to ask me who you have play here i don't really like to have third part like we have never had a promoter some promoters in buffalo started to get wind of us and they want to like book shows here i don't let them do it it's a lot more work for me but i want to know exactly who's going to be here and i want to have a dialogue with them where they sign a piece of paper that says they're going to act in a certain way or they will reserve the right to be kicked out because there are queer people and, and um, BIPOC who live in this house. And so I am very intentional about making it as much of a funnel of who can be here and who can't be as possible. Um, and that where this is located is not public information. And um, people are generally very respectful of that. 
it might get to a certain point where I have to make the Instagram account pop private um, so that I can have one more layer of vetting of who knows about what we're doing here. Um, like in the bio, it says we're career ran and we're leftist and we're based on those values. And you don't have to be that kind of person to be here, but those are the values we're based on. If you don't like that, I hope you don't come. If you right. do come, happy to have you here. Don't be an asshole. If you are an asshole, out. Um, because I think that if we were to cower from that and not be open about that, if we were just to put a rainbow flag in the window, or if we're playing by uh, June 2023 rules, do it for the first two weeks of June and then take them down because we don't want to get in trouble, um, that we would not be living on our value set. And I've had very serious conversations about my roommates about if you don't feel safe, you tell me, we'll stop doing it. But like, I also think that we need to be out and here because it also sends the message to the folks who believe in what we do and want to be a part of it, that we are here for you and we're going to stand up for this and we're going to continue to be unapologetically queer and, and, and stay in line with our community values. And that's kind of where it is right now. And there is some uncertainty with me sometimes about it, which is why I'm really careful about who we book. Even if the people in the band have good intentions, if I know their fans are kind of gross, I won't book them. Um, because I just, I have a, at this point, I have a responsibility to the people who trust me and trust us and trust the idea of the Lavender Room, who don't even know me as a person, that we are going to keep them as safe as we possibly can. Um, personally, does it scare the shit out of me sometimes? Yeah, it does. Because I put all of that on me. I am the person who has to make sure that that's okay. And you know, the love of my life sleeps next to me in this bed, in my bed every night. My best friends live upstairs. Um, you know, I started doing this thing and my roommate, we didn't plan it when we moved in here. And my roommate said, that's cool. Let's do it. And so if something were to happen, I do feel responsible. And I wrestle with that a lot, which is why I like, if we don't have enough people to run a show, we won't run the show and I will pay bands out of my pocket as a sorry for it. That hasn't happened yet. But if for some reason I have, I don't have enough people to stay within a ratio that is safe of how many people might be here, then we don't do it. Yeah. Um, and our capacity fluctuates as a result. But as far as it's like one bad person decides to do a bad thing, I have as much control as a Denny's does over that. Right. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. And so that's just the world we live in. And I can do as many things as I can as a 24 year old trans woman to, to make sure that the people that care about me and care about the space or feel safe in it and do preventative steps. But at the end of the day, like that's, Joe Biden said he's going to change the gun laws, dog. I, you know, <laughs> um, I, I, I can only right. take well, as Well, I mean, also it's like how many other venues in this country are even taking that level of precaution? Like, Literally not. The first show we ever did here, I'm very careful about not like saying names of locations or individuals that I think don't do what they're supposed to do in a great way. I'm going to say the name of this place because I fucking hate it. I don't care if they don't like me for it. Um, but there are places in Buffalo that do the thing where it's like, we do a drag show. We'll throw you in the back room. Um, we'll do a drag show here and we'll get your money and then you can be out. I have been dead named at drag shows in Buffalo at bars off of them reading my card. And that was part of why I was like, we need to do this because being a space that lets gay people in or lets queer people in isn't the same as being a queer space. Mm -hmm. If you're going to open your space right. to a certain demographic because you want to ben benefit off of them monetarily, then you better fucking make sure that you have all of the things in place that they require to be safe and be respected in the space that you are holding them in. There is a club in Buffalo called Marcella's that has accidentally become a gay club um, that like, from what I hear, the owner is like a Republican and is kind of a piece of shit and like has blacklisted drag queens for um, their political beliefs or who they have done drag shows for, like politicians they've done drag shows for, um, which is illegal. Um, but also just like the first night that we did that rave here, that we did that rave for my friend, my, the My Cunty Valentine, um, there was five people that were planning on going Marcello's afterwards because we usually close anywhere between 10 and midnight because I have to sleep. I work. I go to work the next day every day. I'm a barista. Um, and my most of my roommates are in the service industry too. And so uh, they were like going to go to Marcello's. And I was like, honestly, I don't think you should do that. I think that y'all can stay here for a little bit if you want to hang and find an Uber. I will make sure you find a safe way home or somewhere else. I don't think you should go there. And they didn't. That night, someone got shot on the dance floor and killed. And it was the second instance of something happening there in a month. 
Um, that place dress codes people of color very frequently. Um, and just dress codes trans people. Like we're back into 19 fucking 67 all over again. Like we're doing Stonewall all over. And, but it advertises itself as a gay bar because it can make money. Right. And I feel so strongly about how fucked up that is Mm -hmm. that like, if somebody is like plat, like if I've worked, I help people events. If they're doing anything with Marcellas and like, you know, um, actively campaign, like, like advertising it, I'm, I won't be a part of it. Um, because I think that it is immoral per- personally or unethical rather, not immoral, but unethical um, to tell queer people that they can go to this space because what they are expecting in going in a queer space is safety. That is what they are expecting because we live in a world that is inherently hostile and unsafe to queer people. So they are expecting at the very least that they won't get fucking shot and that they'll get called by their fucking pronouns. That should not be that high of a bar. Right. Um, well, we are at time, and so unfortunately, we will have to say goodbye soon, but I just wanted to tell our listeners that you, and we're going to link to this in the show notes, but you can follow The Lavender Room at Lavender Room NY. Um, you can figure out like different stuff that's going on there. We share some of their stuff on our Instagram as well. Um And if you're in Buffalo, uh, slide into the DMs of The Lavender Room and come to a show. Please do. We'd love to see you. Seriously, anytime. Um, Just give me a DM. Send us a DM and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. The other thing I just wanted to share is that if you are interested in supporting us, we talked a little bit about how much I hate e-begging. Yes, please, please. How hard it is to do this financially. But by the time this podcast goes up, we will – probably i'm hoping if i can get it done have both a gofundme up because we need new equipment because a lot of it is beat to shit or is stuff that i've been borrowing for like six months and i just want to be able to give people back their stuff um no one's asking me for it back yet but i want us to have our own equipment so if and sound equipment is fucking expensive surprisingly enough so um there's going to be a gofundme up in the next couple of weeks or days rather um, we really just need like $1,500 so that we can do that and maybe also clean the carpet and um, buy a printer so that I can not spend money for show posters. Listen, we don't need to be convinced. <laughs> you need shit. We're going to help you get there. We will also link to the GoFundMe in the I in appreciate the it. We will also be starting a Patreon that will have an organizer podcast with organizers and artists, hopefully. Everyone says they're going to start a podcast and they do one episode and they don't finish it. So we'll see what happens, but I'm hoping that we will. Um, and so you could check that out too. I'm hoping that the Patreon will exist by the time this goes live. Hell and in yeah. general, you can just follow us and say hi and love what you're doing. You could join. We have a community discord and a volunteer discord. You can join those. And we are on Venmo at Lavroom. If you want to send a couple of bucks, you can just say like, I don't know, queer magic liberation, and I'll know it was you. Um, yes. Yeah. We can link to all of that in the show description. Don't you worry. But if you didn't, weren't sure what it was, we're going to put it there. Just being part of the community is is more support than I would ever ask for. So regardless, if you if you don't feel like you have to participate in capitalism to have queer people still do cool shit, we'll find a way regardless. <laughs> but we'll also support best. them. Thank you so much. Um, yeah. Thank you, Jared. <laughs> this was amazing. We love you. We're so glad we got to have you on. Thank you, all three of you, so much. I really appreciate it. This is Ben. You said the thing about an honor, which is a thing that gets tossed around Lavroom a lot. Never a thing I heard a lot in my life before then. This has been an honor. I'm very grateful. Um, queer people doing cool stuff is is my favorite thing in the world. So I appreciate it a lot that you wanted to have me on. Yes. Thank you so much. Totally. Um, that's our episode. Um, remember to go to all of the links that we're going to put in the show notes to support Jair's work and the lav room. Um, and after you do that, head to patreon.com slash season of the bee where you can give us your money um and join our discord where we have many cool queer and trans musicians some of them live in buffalo that's what i have to say about that um (laughs) and uh follow us on instagram (laughs) at season of the bee uh (laughs) okay well i think i said the patreon wrong so patreon.com slash season of the bitch you can join our discord 
follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Season of the V and visit our website, seasonofthevee.com. We do have some merch on there. Contrary to popular opinion, there's merch on our website. You can buy it. <laughs> okay, love you. Love you. Love you. Season of the bitch. <laughs>